0: Hey, my name is Ryan. I'm the student pastor here at Beach. We're starting a series called, quite simply, The Sex Series. The Sex Series. Um, and here's why we're doing a series on sex. Because, um, believe it or not, I don't, I don't know what you've heard, but, uh, but sex feels good. <laughs> sex, feels, sex feels good. Sex is, uh, sex is uh, fun. Uh, sex is great. And uh, human beings, we're were kind of obsessed with sex. Have you looked around? Like, you could be in Publix, right? Publix. Like, that's like the least sexual place of all time. You got the bagger not paying attention, and the girl just kind of, whatever, scanning your groceries. And if you look at the magazines in front of you, and sometimes they have those covers on them. There's a reason they have the covers on them. If you were to pull those covers back and look at the magazines at Publix, Publix, you'd learn... 10 tips to satisfy your man, 100 tips to be better at sex, like it's a competition or something, and uh, like 18 ways to, to, to make the guy or girl that you, you like, like you back, or whatever it is, and, 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 and if you were to also look at some of those magazine covers, all the guys and girls on front of them, for like, for like no reason, like, it's like it's like the Home and Living magazine, there's just a guy without a shirt on, or like a girl in a bikini, and it's like, what, what does this have to do with anything? Well, we're just kind of obsessed with sex. You turn on any show on Netflix, turn on any show uh, on TV and, and movies and all that kind of stuff, and whether or not they actually show nudity, like, they almost all have sex scenes. Why? Because sex sells, right? Like, we, we like sex. You listen to music, basically every song in the top 40 is essentially about sex. Like, I've looked sometimes, I just randomly will look at lyrics of songs that are popular, and I'll be like, like, like all of Ariana Grande's songs are just like, It's just like pornography. Like, she's obsessed with sex. Like, everybody's just obsessed with sex, and it's like so graphic, and we're just like, oh my gosh, it's got a great beat. And so we just sing it, and and we don't even really think much about it, but it's just all sex, because sex sells. And sex sells so much that we have it in all of our commercials, don't we? Okay, you wanna know a place that's even less sexual than Publix? Hardee's. (laughs) Hardee's is the least. Set, if you? When was the last time anybody ate at Hardee's? Nobody goes to Hardee's. Like, like I went to Hardee's. The last time I went to Hardee's, I think I was 18 years old. It was just the most, like, I was, like, on a break, and it was the closest place, and I just went there, and I was like, oh, I guess I'll eat Hardee's. Like, nobody eats Hardee's. It, like, you walk in, the bathrooms are disgusting, the floor is disgusting. It's like, it's just not the nicest place to be, and, uh, and yet their commercials would have you think they are very sexually appealing because they get beautiful half-naked women to eat these massive hamburgers and their sauce dripping all over their body and like all this kind of stuff. And it's like, what does this have to do with Hardee's? Nothing. It's just sex. And we like sex. So a bunch of dumb guys like, oh, I'll go to Hardee's now because they got, they got models. And like Models aren't in Hardee's. It's just like cockroaches and like dirtiness on the, on, the, on the ground. Like it's like not sexually appealing at all. And yet we still watch these commercials, and they have sex in them, and car commercials, and really everything. It's like sex just sells, and why does it sell? Because we love sex. Human beings love sex, and uh, as we enter into this series, uh, we need to talk about sex because of the fact that we all deal with sex, and maybe you're 11 or 12, and you're like, "Ah, I'm just kind of starting to learn, and some of the stuff I'm going to say today is like, I've never even heard of that. um, I would encourage you to talk to your parents or talk to your life group leaders about it uh, this week. And, um, and uh, if, you, if you have questions, and, and some of you are older and you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm all in kind of this turmoil. But um, wherever you are, you're going to deal with sex. It's all around us, and it's not going away. And we just want to let you know, as we spend these next three weeks talking about it, um, there is no judgment. You may feel a little bit convicted. You might even feel some guilt or shame. But, but I just want you to know, and I've said this before, guilt and shame does not come from God. Guilt and shame comes from Satan to push you away from God. Conviction draws you close to God and wanting to be near to him and forgiven. But, but guilt and shame is not from God. And you may feel some of that, but we do not judge you. We love you. We want what's best for you. I want what's best for you. More importantly, God wants what's best for you. And so we want to give you some information. We want to give you some wisdom and some guidelines to the area of sex. But before we We get into that. I just want to start with this. Sex was created by God. Sex was created by God and is good within his boundaries. Those last three words are important, within his boundaries. If you open up your Bibles, if you have one, we'll have it on the screen too. To Genesis chapter 2, we're in the very beginning. The heavens and the earth are created, the animals are created, and a man is created named Adam. There's a woman or a being taken from his body and created by God. And that is the woman, and her name is Eve. And they're put together in a union called marriage. And here's what it says at the end of chapter 2. Two very important verses. It says, after they're kind of joined together, it says, That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. And they become one flesh. This idea of being united and one flesh is like joined together in a way that cannot be broken. This is joined together emotionally, spiritually, and physically, sexually. It has this implication of they are united In sex within the confines of marriage. And it gives us this small little tidbit. It seems kind of weird to just be at the end of of the chapter. It seems like it should just end there, but it gives us one more verse. And it says Adam and his wife, Eve, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. See, this is the way God created. Sex to be within the boundaries of marriage and to not be associated with sin and not be associated with, with, with hurt or pain, but to be associated with love, with no shame. Like, like, have you ever had like someone come in when, when you're you're getting dressed in your room or in a locker room or something? You don't expect them to come in and you're naked. What do you do? As soon as they walk in, you cover yourself. Why? Because we feel some sort of shame with being naked. And it's saying something very important. Adam and Eve were together and they were naked but they didn't feel shame. See, sex was created by God and it is good. It is good within his boundaries. But, but, this is a big but, but the world or humanity has twisted it into a very dangerous thing. The world's twisted into something that is used for power, the world's twisted it into something that causes shame and guilt. The world's twisted it into something that is just about physical pleasure. The world has twisted it into something which people abuse, which people treat people like property and they objectify women and objectify men and they, they, they make videos and pictures and, and sell human beings from person to person. Why? Because of sex. That's not how God intended it to be. God intended sex to be good. And for a long time, Church has done one of two things. Throughout the history of the church, last 2,000 years, churches have done one of two things most of the time. One is that they have been silent. They don't say anything. We're gonna avoid the subject. Many of your parents and grandparents, if they grew up in church, grew up in this kind of church where it was like, hey, we're not gonna talk about sex. You don't ask questions. We're just gonna leave it alone. It's something you don't wanna touch. It's something you don't wanna deal with. And we're just not gonna talk about it. Here's the problem with that. Here's the problem with that. If we don't talk about it, then we don't know how to deal with it. And we're all gonna face it. And so that's not a good solution. It's actually, it's maybe worse than even like giving the wrong teaching about it because you're just not talking about it at all. So we all just have to guess what we should do with sex. And we're like, ah, I don't know, I don't know what to do. And we're confused and it's confusing. And so we don't, want, we don't want that. But here's the other thing churches have done throughout the history of the church. And especially in the past, I don't know, 50, 100 years in America is that they've had a very, very short conversation, a very clear conversation, a very simple conversation, and it goes something like this. Sex is bad, stay away, be a virgin. Sex is bad, stay away, be a virgin. Sex is bad, stay away, be a virgin. Just don't do it. Get away from it. And here's the problem. Sex isn't that simple. It's not that simple of a a situation or, or, or an issue to just say, well, you just need to be a virgin just don't have sex before you get married, that that leaves a lot of gray area. That leaves a lot of area that we have no idea what to do with. And the truth is that the lines of sex have become very blurry. In fact, they've always been blurry. They've always been very tough to figure out because there's a lot of different types of sexual temptation that aren't actually just sex, that aren't just regular sexual intercourse, penis going into a vagina. There's a lot besides that that can really mess us up. And here's, here's, here's the point. Sexual sin comes in many forms. It's more than just sex. Sexual sin comes in many forms, and it's more than just sex. It comes in the form of pornography. Statistics say that 80%, almost 80% of men and women, I think it's like 79% of, of men and, and 73 or 76% of women, 18 to 30, look at pornography once a month even women. And we act like, oh, it's just a guy thing. No, no, no. It's a, it's a, it's a guys and girls thing. The next statistic is a little bit more for men, but still for women as well. 63% of men look at porn multiple times a week. You know what that's called? Addiction. That's addiction. And women, it's about one in every five women, 20% of women look at pornography multiple times a week. See, sexual sin comes in the disguise a pornography, oh, it's not that big of a deal. We're not having sex with anybody. Well, it is, it is. Sexual sin comes in a lot of disguises. Sexual sin comes in the form of sexting. And you may say, well, I don't do that. That's just some other kid in my my grade. But statistics say it's still an issue. Among teenagers, 15% send nude pictures of themselves. 28% receive nude pictures of other people. I've talked to, to students in this ministry that say, I did not ask for it. I did not want it. I got, a, I, got a, I got a picture of some person's parts just randomly one day. It happens. One in every four students roughly is sending or receiving sex, sex from other people. And then we got all other kinds of things that we're like, ah, it doesn't have to do with virginity, but like, but like is it right or is it wrong? We have things like oral sex. We have things like masturbation. We have, we have, we have sex all over social media. And we're like, like I, don't, I don't know what to do with this. And we, we, we have things inside of us like thoughts. And we think, oh, well, I've never touched anything. I've never looked at something. I'm okay. I'm a virgin. I'm doing the right thing. But the thoughts, the thoughts, Sexual sin can come into your thoughts, sexual sin can come into your conversations, into the words you speak. And it is foolish, foolish, hear me. It is stupid to only focus on actual sexual intercourse. And so in this series, we're going to be talking about a lot more than just sex. We're going to talk about all the things that come along with sexual sin. Before before we move on, I just want to give a couple more reasons why this is so important. If we only focus on actually having sex, like on being a virgin, which means you've never had sex before and and, and maintaining your virginity until you're married, it does one of two things. One, once you lose your virginity, there's no point of doing anything else. And this is what has happened to a lot of young people is they have sex and they're like, well, that's done. I might as well just keep on going. I might as well just do whatever I want because I've already messed up. Here's something really, really, really important you need to know. Virginity says you have one chance. Virginity says you have one chance, but our God is the God of second chances. Virginity says you have one chance, and once you mess it up, you're done. Our God is the God of second chances. It's, it's more than just virginity. Now, now, hear me, hear me, hear me. I would love for you to be a virgin on your wedding night, but there's so much more that comes along with sexual sin than just your virginity. Here's the second thing. We start to make certain sins worse than others, right? Like we say, well, they're not a virgin, so they really messed up. I'm okay, you know, I just, I just kind of had oral sex with my, with my girlfriend or with my boyfriend. I, I'm okay. I, it's different. No, it's not. Well, I can't believe they had sex with, well, dude, you're, you're addicted to pornography. Like, like, you're addicted to watching sex on your computer. And, and we start to, like, make this, this, this flow chart of, like, well, well, like, you know, sex is really bad. But then the other stuff, it's not so bad, and that's just not the truth. It couldn't be farther from the truth. These things are sexual sin in the same way that sex is. And so before, before we move on to what Jesus taught, I just want to give one more thing, just to completely give, uh, give us the picture of what we're talking about. Teaching that it's all about sex would be like me, getting a bunch of four-year-olds and putting them on the side of Third Street. And I say, okay, guys, I'm going to teach you how to cross the road. And here is what you need to watch out for. You must, but whatever you do, you must watch out. For semis, they're huge, they're heavy. It takes them a long time to stop. They don't see what other cars can see. Sometimes they miss you. And if you get hit by one, there is no chance. You're done, you're gonna die. So whatever you do, when you're crossing Third Street, watch out for the semis. Okay, go. What do you think would happen? I know this is a little bit like, oh, this is, this is a weird example, but, but, but listen, like, like, like what would happen? We'd have a lot of kids dying or being injured because they would get hit by a lot of other things motorcycles, bicyclists, four car sedans, convertibles, pickup trucks, SUVs, minivans, like, like they would be in trouble because we didn't tell them that other things could harm them. We just said, hey, watch out for this one thing. And if you, if you watch out for that, you're good. The other side of things about not talking about it or saying just hide from sex would be like this. Hey, cars are bad, kids stay away from them. Don't go into a parking lot. Don't rent a car. Don't buy a car. Don't get into your parents' car. Don't watch videos about cars. Don't watch NASCAR, which you probably shouldn't watch anyway. Just stay away from NASCAR. And then, uh, like, don't go down Atlantic. Like, there's a lot of car dealerships. You want to stay away from that area. It is dangerous. Stay away from cars. They're all bad, which is a lot of times what we've done. Sex is all bad. It's all bad. Just hide away. Stay away from it. Here's the problem with that. Sex isn't bad. And cars aren't bad. Here's the better way to deal with it. We look at the boundaries. We talk about wisdom. If I was telling kids to cross the street, I'd say, you need to look both ways. You need to watch out for all types of cars or moving vehicles. You need to make sure you look both ways multiple times. Don't look at your phone. Make sure you get across the the road quick. Watch how fast people are coming. Really pay attention, and you will get across okay. That's what we want to do with sex. We don't want to just focus on one thing. We want to focus on all of it, and especially the things that lead to sex, because we can't avoid it. We must know how to handle it. And the truth is, sex hasn't really changed in the, in the course of all of humanity. Yeah, you know, texting didn't exist 20 years ago, and, uh, you know, pornography didn't exist the way it does now, like, you know, 40, 50 years ago, and it wasn't so accessible, and, um, you know, a lot of these things weren't issues, but the reality is that sex has always been an issue. Lust has always been an issue. Like I was talking to a life group leader a couple months ago and he was like, this is way before any of the social media stuff. And he was, he, he said that one year at a camp, they found a hole in the wall where they could see into the girl's shower. Sex has always kind of pulled us in, whether it's on a phone or through a hole in a wall or in a relationship or whatever. And Jesus, because Jesus is Jesus, he's the son of God, he's, he's amazing, he knows how to deal with everything. He gave us a teaching that would deal with all situations, all technology, all years and, and generations and nations and cultures throughout the rest of time. And if you turn over to Matthew chapter 5, we will see what he says. And he's not going to talk about virginity. And he's not going to talk about... You know, like, this is okay, but this is not okay. He's not going to do all of that. He's not going to say one thing about actually having sex. He's going to do something far more beneficial for us. He's going to give us something far better and helpful. So if you go over to Matthew chapter 5, start in verse 27, we see what that thing is. He starts with this. You have heard it was said. You shall not commit adultery. He's talking to a bunch of Jewish people. They knew the 10 commandments. This is one of the 10 commandments. You shall not commit adultery. To which most of them would be like, yeah, I haven't. I've only had sex with my wife. I've only had sex with my husband. I, I, I kept this command. I, I may not have kept all of them. I coveted my, my neighbor's stuff a few times. I've stolen something. But, but, but I, I'm good in this area. I, I've never had sex with someone that's not my spouse. Here's the problem with that command has a lot of loopholes. There's a lot of gray area. There's a lot of places where you could kind of finagle your way into some sexual sin that doesn't actually include having sex with somebody. And here's the truth. If you, if you take advantage of those loopholes, you will suffer consequences. Not punishment from God necessarily, but consequences of your actions. Yeah, you may say, well, I'm still a virgin. But you, by doing certain things with guys and girls... By, by, by doing certain acts, by looking at certain videos, by, by doing certain things to yourself, whatever it is, you will, will, will experience some consequences. And here's why. Because biologically, our body kind of functions the same way, whether or not it's having sex or doing something else. Any type of sex with another person, any type of sexual experience where you're becoming aroused from someone else, whether they're touching you, you're touching yourself, you're sticking it somewhere, they're sticking it somewhere. Like no matter what it is, if you do that with someone else, there are chemicals released in your brains, in your brains. And, and for the girls, it's something called oxytocin. For the guys, it's something called vasopressin. And, and, and some scientists call it the commitment hormone. And when those things get released into your brain, it makes you automatically commit to the other person. You may say, well, it was just a one night stand. It's just one time. I was drunk. It's no big deal. It was just oral. It was just our hands. It's not that big of a deal. It's just pornography. It's just masturbation. It's not that big of a deal. Everybody's doing it. Who cares? Well, your body reacts to it. No matter how much experience you have, no matter how big of a deal it is to you, your body reacts to it. And it starts releasing these hormones. And they're called the commitment hormones because it makes you feel more committed to the other person. It's actually like a biological thing that God has put into us so that it would help us in marriage, really. Because, guys, marriage isn't easy. You get in arguments. You're with them for, for, for all of your lives. Like, like, it is difficult. You live together. You, you go through ups and downs, peaks and valleys together. And, and, and the truth is that, that when you're, you're in a marriage relationship, you need something to keep things strong. And something that can happen biologically is that the sex brings the two together. And, and brings them together in a sense of loyalty and commitment. The man wants to protect the woman he's had sex with. The, the woman wants to be loyal to the man she has had sex with. And it's a biological thing, something you cannot control. And so when you say, well, it was just one time. When you say, well, it was just some guy or some girl. When you say, well, that was just college, it's not just physical. It's more than that. There's something that happens in your body that, that, that changes the relationship. The other thing that happens when we, when we have sexual experiences of any kind, of any kind, endorphins get released into our brain. They call these happy hormones. They make you feel pleasure. They make you feel happy. They make you feel satisfied. And here's what happens when they come out. You get addicted to them. They're highly, highly, highly addictive. And so what happens? You have an experience, it feels good, and you want it again, and you want it again, and you want it again. And sex can become like a drug. Masturbation, pornography, sex with a guy or girl, whatever it is, it can become like a drug to you. It releases these hormones and you cannot control it. And so if you say, well, it's just about a a, a biological thing with like a penis and a vagina, and that's all that matters, that's not the truth. The truth is any kind of sexual activity starts to release these hormones into your bloodstream and into your brain, and you can't control it and it will change you, and that loophole will actually become like a grave. It'll mess you up in a way you can't even imagine, and so Jesus is going to take it a step further. He's going to say, you know what? I know it's one of the Ten Commandments, but there's something more you've got to actually look at here. You can't just say, I'm not going to commit adultery. You have to take it a step further. Verse 28, he says, but I tell you, to which everybody's like, what do you mean, but? That's a 10 commandment. Like you can't just say, but, and tell us something else, but he's God. So he gives a new command. He says, but I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully, lustfully, everybody say lust, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Or anybody who looks at a man lustfully has already committed adultery with him in their heart. And and here's, here's what Jesus is saying. The lust is the same as adultery, you may say, well, what's lust? Lust is when we focus our attention on sex. It's when we focus our attention on sex. Someone walks by, you do one of these, you see them. You don't watch where you're going, you like run into something and you start staring. You got sunglasses on so they don't see your eyes and you're just kind of staring at them out of the corner of your eye. You know, like you, 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 don't, just, you don't just look once, you, you, you gaze, you focus you start thinking about it. The thought comes into your mind and then you start dwelling on it. You see a picture and then all of a sudden you start looking at it and you start wanting to see a video or whatever it is and you focus your attention on it. The actual Greek word for lust means to turn upon a thing, to have a desire for, to long for. This is what lust is. You see something and it catches your attention and you focus on it. You see a body part, you see the same way someone's dressed you notice something about them, you see a picture or video, you think about an experience with somebody, and you get caught up in lust. Lust is when we focus our attention on sex. And here's why Jesus talks about lust. Because lust, lust is the thing that leads you into sexual sin. Lust always puts you on a path to sexual sin. Lust always puts you on a path to sexual sin, it always leads to action. You may say, Well, it's just a look. Well, looks turn to conversations. You may say, Well, it's just a thought. It's not that big of a deal. Well, thoughts turn to actions eventually. Well, well, I'm just, uh, it was just a daydream. It was just a date. Well, daydreams turn to realities. Eventually, you get opportunities that you didn't think you were gonna get. And all of a sudden, you find yourself in a situation and it's happening. You find yourself in an addiction and it's happening. You know, habits that just, oh, it's just once a week, they turn into addictions. And you cannot control them anymore. You look at one picture or one video, and then a habit becomes an addiction, and you cannot control it anymore. The truth is we always want more. Lust always leads us on a path to sexual sin. And so Jesus says it's not enough to just talk about your virginity. It's not enough to just talk about sex and sexual intercourse. You have to look farther than that. You have to look at the thing that leads you into that. And here's why. Because he's trying to protect us, not because he hates us. Some people are like, oh, God wants me, to, well, God wants to control my body. Like, I'm not gonna let him do that. Like, I wanna do what I wanna do. I wanna be free. And God's like, I'm trying to keep you free. Man, talk to anybody that's addicted to pornography. I can promise you they wish they weren't addicted to pornography, whether they're a Christian or not. I can promise you that, they, that there's some level of them that's like, why is this trapping me? Why is this relationship or this habit or this, this, this action that I do trapping me? And entrapping me, I feel like I'm in a prison. See, freedom of the world leads you into a prison cell of your own making. But Jesus is trying to lead us away from that. He's trying to protect us from things like broken relationships. My my student pastor told me uh, back when I was in high school that sex will extend bad relationships and end good relationships it'll extend relationships that you should not stay in because you're like well i just got to keep going because i had sex or it will end good relationships because it breaks apart because your your relationship and your bond is not strong enough to take on the intimacy of sex it'll it'll cause broken relationships it'll cause addiction to sex and porn it will cause embarrassment it'll cause hurting each other hurting other people hurting yourselves hurting people even that you love It leads to unintended physical consequences like disease and unwanted pregnancy. It leads to mental and emotional pain. It leads to some side effects that we cannot control, that are biological, that are built within us. And so Jesus says, hey, 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 listen, stay within the boundaries of a committed forever relationship called marriage. And there's some amazing things that can come from sex, but get outside those boundaries Get caught up in lust, get caught up in those situations, and you are going to pay a price you don't want to pay because he loves us. He's trying to give us this teaching. And here's what he tells us to do with lust. He says, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. That's, that's extreme. That's violent. Like, is it not just enough to, to gouge it out? Do I really have to throw it away? Gouge it out and throw it away. And here's why. Because it's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. You could maybe say it this way. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than to lose your soul, than to give away your heart. Then he gives another example. If your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. Because it's better for you to lose one part of your body, again, than for your whole body to go into hell or for you to lose your soul, lose your heart. Here's what Jesus is telling us to do. He's telling us that we must, we must deal with lust aggressively. We can't let lust hang around. Trust me, please trust me. Lust will grow into a monster that you cannot control. It will take over your life, your soul, your emotions, your relationships. I promise you. I promise you. And here's what Jesus, Jesus is not saying, hey, hey, self-mutilation is the way to go. Walk around without hands and feet and, and eyes. Because here's what he knows. And here's what's true. We could be, we could have no no hearing. No eyes, no arms, no legs, and still struggle with lust because lust is a heart issue, not an eye issue, not a hand issue, it's a heart issue. And we will all struggle, no matter how many things we cut off, no matter how many things we take away from our lives. But here's what Jesus is trying to say you've got to be aggressive with it. You can't allow the lust, the lust to hang around. It's like cancer. It's like cancer. Nobody would go and get a body scan and and the doctor would say, hey, hey, you've got some cancer, but we're just gonna wait and see. Let's just see what happens. Let's see what it does. No, if there's cancer in your body, they immediately want to fight to get rid of it. Even if those ways that they fight it will, will harm your body like chemotherapy and radiation and harm some of the good cells. They're like, we have got to kill these cancerous cells before it kills you. That's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying lust is a cancer of the heart that will destroy your soul. And so we've got to deal with it. We've got to deal with it. So here's, here's the two questions we're gonna close with. Because lust is actually the issue that we're all dealing with. Lust is actually the issue that's that really breaking apart our society and breaking apart many of us. And we'll get a little bit more to sex next week in some practicals, but lust is what we've got to deal with. Here's the first question. In what ways? Are you struggling with lust? In what ways are you struggling with lust? I would invite you to pull out your phone and and, and take a note or or write something down on one of the note cards and write down the areas of your life where you are struggling with lust. In what ways are you struggling with lust? Maybe you say, well, you know, I'm a virgin, so like I got my stuff together, but you're addicted to pornography. You're addicted to masturbation. Maybe you sit there and you're like, well, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm good in that area, but, but you're doing some things with your boyfriend or girlfriend that are sex. You know, they call oral sex, sex for a reason. I was reading a study, not a Christian study, just a study on statistics, and, uh, and they included oral sex in sexual activities. Why? Because it's sex because it still does the same things chemically to your body. It still does the same things in your relationships. And maybe you're struggling in the area of other things that have to do with sex that aren't actually sexual intercourse. I mean, there's a lot of people that think, I'm a virgin, I'm okay, and they are being destroyed. Hear me, destroyed by lust, destroyed by addiction. Their soul is suffering harm because they think, well, it's all about being a virgin when I get married. That's all, that's all that matters. And There's so much more. There's so much more. Can I I tell you, me and I could think of five of my closest friends in college were all virgins on our wedding night. Every single one of us. But can I tell you another truth? Every single one of us looked at pornography. Every single one of us. So while we could say, man, I'm proud that I was a virgin, I'm proud my friends were virgins, all that kind of stuff. while, While I could say that, like there's still another part of me that's like, well, there were some other things. We talked about it in life groups. We talk about it with, with, with some of my best friends. And we were all struggling in that area. We're struggling with some of the things that lead to sex with our girlfriends. It wasn't all perfect. See, what, what are the areas of your life? In what ways are you struggling with lust? Here's the second question I have for you. What do you need to do to fight lust? What do you need to do to fight lust? And I, re- I want you to remember, Jesus is aggressive with it. He's radical with it. And you might say, well, that's just too far, Jesus. I mean, it's hard enough to not have sex. How, are you gonna, how am I going to stop myself from lusting? There's a verse where, where Jesus is not talking about sex, but he's talking about some other things of God. And he says, you know, what's impossible with man is possible with God. When you put that stuff in your life over and put it into God's hands, when you fall after the Holy Spirit, he will lead you through And navigate through lust, but you can't do it alone. You're right. You're right. We we need to turn to God. So that might be your first step. That should be your first step. But what are some other things that you might need to do to fight lust? You might say, well, I'm in a relationship and we just can't control our lust. You know what I think Jesus would say? Break up. That's too radical. How are you going to tell me to break up with my boyfriend? We've been going out for eight months. We've been going out for two weeks long-term relationship in middle school, you know? I think Jesus might say, it's better for you to lose your 10th grade relationship than to lose your soul, than to lose something of you, than to to be addicted to something, to, to, to be struggling in this area of sex. Maybe you say, "Man, I'm I'm addicted to pornography. I'm addicted to looking at certain things, and it's even worse now with phones and all that kind of stuff." And and and, and maybe you need to think about what are the things you need to do to fight the lust, of pornography. Perhaps, perhaps you need to um, get rid of your smartphone. That's too far, Ryan. <sighs> too far. You took it too far, Ryan. Not giving up my iPhone. Well, Jesus might say, "It's better for you to lose your iPhone." better for you to lose your iPhone. It's better for you to lose your computer. It's better for you to lose your freedom to have that technology in your room late at night. It's better to lose your pride of of having to tell your parents, hey, I need help in this area. You're like, I I would never do that. Well, you could do that. Or maybe be addicted to pornography or addicted to sex or, or, or feel some of the regrets of your younger years later. And when I say these things, these aren't things that will keep you out of heaven and keep you you away from God's love. Jesus is simply saying these things will harm you greatly. They will lead you astray if you don't deal with them now. If you don't deal with them now, what do you need to do to fight the lust that's just running rampant in your heart? I want you to know there's hope in Jesus. There's hope through his spirit. There's hope through his forgiveness. He will forgive you for all things when you're in a relationship with him. He loves you no matter what you've done. Sex is no different than any other area. And sometimes we make it like that. It's like, well, sex is really bad, but lying's not a big deal. It's all the same. We're all broken. But I just know a lot of us are dealing with the area of sex, especially in your teenage years, really struggling in this area with lust and the desires of the flesh. And so I just wanna pray over you. And I wanna pray over you. I want you to know there's hope in Jesus. And then we're going to close in worship and, and allow you to come up to the altar and write prayer cards. And I'd invite you to be honest on those prayer cards. You don't have to put your name. We want to pray over you. Um if you want to come up here at the end of service, um, I'll be right over here. We'll have a couple of leaders up here, life group leaders. If you want to just come be prayed over or something, then we, we'd love for you to come up. And you don't have to tell us the whole situation, or you can, but but we just want to pray over you. Let me let me pray for you right now before we move on and worship. Heavenly Father, I pray for each person in this room. I pray for each adult whether they're single or married. I, I pray for, for each student, whether they're in a relationship or not. I, I pray for every single person in this room, whether we're virgins or not, whether no matter what our history is, no matter what our addictions are, no matter what's going on, Lord, I pray that we would focus on the areas where lust is controlling us and that we would take the steps necessary to radically address them to deal with those issues in our life. And it may be difficult and it may be uncomfortable and it may be scary, Lord, but you want what's best for us. You wanna deal with our lust and help us move through it. Lord, I pray that we would not be tricked into thinking it's all about one act of sex, but that it is so many things that sexual sin can harm us and hurt us. Lord, I pray that we would listen to your teaching of lust and address it at its source. Lord, we can only do this by your power and your name.